Ladies, gentlemen, and other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by today's panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, Mr. Tyler Monaghan. Hello, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. And the indescribable, undeniable Cicero Holmes. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, Ty, you guys last week said that I was going to be on the show, uh, but I wasn't there. So uh, I'm going to leave the room and give you two a second to come up with whatever bullshit story you were going to come up with. <laughs> okay, man, things happen. It's all good. Your, your, your chair is a permanent one on, on the, the bridge of our tough little ship. So no worries there at all. Um, unfortunately, Rachel is not available to join us tonight, but we are fortunate enough to be joined by a very special guest, making his long overdue debrief debut as perhaps our first guest to pilot his own starship. However, his starship does not ride on dilithium. It rides on lightning. Please welcome executive editor of previews at IGN and host of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Mr. Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome, Ryan. We are absolutely thrilled to have you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you having me aboard here. Oh, we, we, we clearly, uh, Cicero, ever since he had started making appearances on Unlocked, on your excellent Xbox podcast over there at IGN, uh, he, I, I know that he has been conversing with you about the possibility. So I'm just glad that every, everything aligned and that we could all jump on here today. It's great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, uh, we're in the middle of, of, uh, of the most emotionally stressful <laughs> Star Trek Picard season yet. And I, and I say that not because of anything that's going on in the show per se, but it's more like my, my relationship to it is emotionally stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing that. And of course, I certainly can't blame you for, for having Cicero on your show. He is, he is the best. The best. So he's, he's awesome. Just, he's great. Yeah. Cicero, we love you. Uh, uh, I, and- you know, I am here to hear this guys. Exactly. <laughs> While we're on the topic, uh, yeah. somebody on the panel had a big old birthday last week. So happy birthday, Cicero. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Happy birthday, Thank you. Cicero, my friend. Yeah. Oh, I man. made it around the sun one more time. Beautiful. Uh, Just I'm as long as you didn't up. slingshot and send yourself back into the 1980s and yell at a taxi cab in San Francisco to say double bonnet. <laughs> are, are you old enough to be fully positronic now? And, and we keep calling back to it, even though we right. should all just forget that ever happened. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, was it one of the Family Guy Star Wars specials? When it's like, isn't that a unit of distance, not time? And Peter's like, no, 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 no. no. We just, um, <laughs> Yeah, remember the time that we all watched uh, Star Trek Picard and and uh, couldn't couldn't get the timeline straight. I didn't know that that was one of your talents. That's good. That's, that's, that's excellent. Well, um, before we actually start talking about this week's episode and check back in with the panel, uh, Ryan, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about your personal affinity for Star Trek how you got into it, things sure. like your favorite show and movie, all the good stuff. What's your Star Trek secret origin, so to speak? Uh, for me, I'll tell you, it, it, I came later. I mean, I'm I'm uh, probably old. I don't know what your demographic is, but I'm 42. We'll just put it that way. I don't know if I'm older than your audience, younger, you know, is the same age or what. I doubt I'm younger than your audience, but. I, uh, I, I think you're in the sweet spot. It's all in, good. In the zone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, 
I never really, I mean, I've seen the original movies, but never really watched the original series. It's certainly, you know, I'm sure it was on reruns on some channel back in the 80s and, and you know, first half of the 90s as I was growing up. But uh, Next Generation was really my first Star Trek that I that I really latched onto. Uh, somewhere in the midpoint of the run, I start. I just jumped into it and, and really got into it. Um, probably one of the better, one of the best last episodes for any long running series ever is the, is the Next Generation, in my humble opinion. But uh, but yeah, I I am a big Next Generation fan. I tr- I watched the first maybe season or two of Deep Space Nine. I know it's really beloved. I at the time it just didn't quite grab me uh, the same way. So I ended up I didn't stick with Deep Space Nine. Uh, Voyager, I never liked. Uh, the, I never liked uh, Janeway, so I, I didn't really. I didn't watch Voyager, and then and then I honestly, I'll be honest, I kind of trailed off. Other than than the Next Generation movies that would come every now and again, um, I've and but but more recently, I've at, really at, at Cicero's recommendation, I gave Lower Decks a shot, and that's just fun. Like that's. That is exactly the kind of thing that that CBS should be doing with with Star Trek is having fun with it. Uh, in addition to making you know traditional Star Trek stuff, which of course, I Star Trek: uh, Strange New Worlds, after getting such great reviews, gave that a try because uh, I already had a Paramount Plus subscription because of Halo, which I'm you know I have to I have to watch for work, and I'm also I love Halo, so I wanted to watch it. Sure. And uh, Halo's okay, but Strange New Worlds is awesome. What a yeah. great cast. What a great first season. Really hope that's set up to go for at least several excellent seasons. Uh, and and certainly Picard now. Uh, I have wanted to love Picard from before day one. As soon as that show was announced, I was so happy. I mean, Picard's my favorite Star Trek character, period, of course, being I mean, Patrick Stewart's so good in anything and everything. Um, and, and, you know, if you want, we can talk, we can get deeper into what I think of seasons one and two of Picard, but, but that's kind of my Star Trek journey. I mean, I, for me, uh, first contact is my favorite Star Trek film. Uh, that's, that's the one I just, I, I just love it. I mean, it's, it's nothing, it's not, I'm not saying the others are bad or, but that is, that is my favorite, uh, of them. And, and here we are. Yeah. So I'm, I kind of, you know, was into Next Generation and then kind of slowly trailed off. And, and now I'm kind of back into it. I haven't watched Discovery, which I've heard kind of mixed things about from Cicero and others. So I, I'm not a I'm not nearly as well versed as you guys or your audience. But but I have, uh, you know, I have my little corner of Star Trek uh, that I pay attention to. That's that's largely the foundation of that for me has been the next generation. Well, it, it- you know, I think one of the nice things, at least just as a as an observer of Star Trek's interactions with the culture, uh, you are among friends. The fact that you do have a corner that you call your own means that you're one of us. You know, there are varying levels of severity, of course, about how deeply people can get into it. Uh, I mean, I read the Star Trek encyclopedia by flashlight under my covers when my mom was trying to tell me to go to bed. Like that's <laughs> how that. deeply I got into that. But, um, but no, I think that the journey that you describe is actually kind of the journey that a lot of people went on. You know, the next generation made such a big splash 
uh, eventually. Like uh, you had people who were hardcore TOS fans who were denigrating that show. If Twitter was around in 1987, who knows what would have happened? But um, no, I mean, that show clearly found its foot and is the definitive Star Trek for a lot of people. All I will say is that I hope in, in on some at some point you do give Deep Space Nine a chance, yeah, uh, yeah. just because you know I've I've said on this show countless times TOS the original series is probably my personal favorite of the shows, but I believe Deep Space Nine is the best one. Uh, you're not the first. I've I've heard that from many people. You, that sure, is not yeah. a unique opinion, certainly. No, so it is it is yes, not a hot take. Point. At some point, that'll be a good one to just binge, just go through and just just tear through it. It holds up very well to binging, I think. Um, it's the because it was playing with these serialized stories uh, far earlier than a lot of other mainstream television series. I think Babylon Five probably got there first, but DS Nine it, it's a very bingeable show. And by the time Worf shows up, I bet you'll really get into it. And that's at the beginning of season four. So. Yeah. Just I'll just uh, you know the coldest Star Trek take in the world. Deep Space Nine <laughs> is good. I'll just repeat it because why not? But um, talk about a segue, right? Right, exactly. I was about to say exactly. perfect segue, man. It's like you you've done this before. <laughs> Perfection, absolutely. This is what happens when we have a maestro among us. This is great. Um, well, Ty, yeah, jumping off of that, uh, you are making your way through Deep Space Nine for the first time. Give us a little bit of an update on how that's going. Uh, yeah, it's funny because, uh, similar to Ryan, Deep Space Nine totally did not grab me when I watched it years and years ago. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, I am, I've, I've been ready for it now and, and just loving it, uh, as listeners of the show will know, uh, I am still in season four, which you just mentioned. Uh, and I actually wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, the episode that my wife and I just watched, uh, earlier this evening, uh, which is called Rules of Engagement. Uh, it's an episode where uh, Worf is, uh, he has to take part in an extradition hearing because the Klingons want to extradite him uh, to put him on trial uh, for blowing up a civilian freighter in the middle of a, a battle. Um, and the reason I thought that was a really great episode, like it, the timing for my watching of Deep Space Nine, along with the airing of Picard, continues to just be um, kiss his fingers. Uh, so, you know, we're just seeing a ton of Worf, like it's just Worf episode after Worf episode, um, which obviously is, is great getting to see his relationship with Odo. So all that dovetails really nicely with, uh, Picard, but a cool thing that I think was kind of new this episode is that Cisco uh, is, uh, Worf's advocate in the hearing. And so, uh, he sort of defends Worf, uh, and he goes to sort of great lengths to try and demonstrate Worf's, uh, innocence even like uh i wouldn't say like dirty tricks but he's really you know like he's looking for dirt on his accusers and and different things like that um finally they end up uh spoiler alert getting Worf off the hook and uh then there's this great scene where cisco and Worf are alone uh in like cisco's i don't know ready room or whatever and cisco like tears into him you know like he's like great i'm glad you get it now like I can't believe you did that. Like that was so stupid. You put yourself in like a terrible situation and Worf has this great, like, Oh wow. Life's life's harder in this red uniform. Spoilers for you, Ryan, when you, when you do binge DS9. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just thought all of that from Cisco was so Picard like, and like the two of them are not necessarily super similar um, as, as captains and commanders in 
uh, a ton of ways. But it was this really kind of new angle of Cisco um, and seeing the way that he like, you know, just no questions asked. He will defend his officers like to the mat and then turn around and tell them, like, I can't believe you made me do that. Right. Never do that again. Like, I expect better of you. And it was just, uh, again, yeah, just such a Picard uh, excuse me, Picard esque moment uh, for me. Um, and so, yeah, it just really feels like uh, if if somebody were to make an episode guide about how to watch uh, Star Trek shows concurrently for the intertwining plot lines, like they would be doing almost exactly what I'm doing. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, and it does a really good job of building up what we know of war from TNG and just taking it into an entirely deeper direction. I mean, you mentioned the differences between Cisco and Picard. We learned that from Q in season one of DS9, right? When they're doing like that that classic 1920s boxing match and Cisco decks Picard in the face and just goes, you hit me. Picard never hit me. It's just, it's like in the Avery Brooks delivery, I'm not Picard. And it's, it's perfection. So, yeah. No, I'm glad that you're enjoying it, man. It's uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I envy you for being able to watch that show for the first time. I wish I could watch it uh, again for the first time. It's And I, I just have to say, again, it really feels like, man, like, yeah, there are all these different corners of the Star Trek universe, like you were saying. But man, it really feels like when I'm watching Deep Space Nine, I am filling in the middle of the puzzle. Like it, it just connects in so many different ways to so many other uh, just like things that had kind of been loose threads for me and watching all these other different Star Trek properties. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a trip. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. DS9 Fan Fest and Love Fest continues, of course. So, uh, excellent. Well, thank you for the update there, Ryan. Cicero, my friend, any updates to share from your end on your engagement with Star Trek? Uh, no, I have not started my DS9 rewatch yet. Um, but uh, I've been inspired, Ryan, by Ty's uh, rewatch and, and like – our conversations almost daily about things that are happening in DS9 uh, have have inspired me to go back and watch DS9. This is this show can be tra- changed from like discovery debrief to like DS9 love fest or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, DS9 is it's it really is fantastic. It, it's it's so ahead of its time. Are you going to start from the top when you jump back into it? Or are you? Yeah, gonna, yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to start from the top. I'm gonna start something top. else kind of fun, just about like for people who do watch DS9 for the first time, is uh, the very first episode features a pretty uh, meaty confrontation between Cisco and Picard because Cisco. Yeah was like Captain Shaw, as we recently learned, Cisco was on the bridge of another ship during the Battle of Wolf 359, and uh, Cisco don't like him at all. Right. So it's they, they sort of play with that, and then Picard just takes it in a whole other direction with Shaw that I think is fascinating. But we do have quite an episode in front of us to talk about. So why don't we transition without further ado into our discussion about Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 5. Imposters. So, as usual, the episode summary that informs our discussion comes from the fine editors over at Wikipedia, who are perfect in condensing these episodes' events into digestible conversation chunks for our purposes. And of course, the original summaries, as written there, are somewhat augmented, no pun intended, by yours truly. So, let's begin. 
Jack's visions reassert themselves and begin showing him murdering the crew of the Titan. He snaps out of it before we see Riker returning command of the ship to Captain Shaw, and the reinstated captain reveals that he had already contacted Starfleet regarding the flagrant violations of Admiral Picard and Captain Riker. Starfleet, Starfleet, oh good lord, Starfleet promptly sends the USS Intrepid to intercept them and take Picard and Riker into custody. So let's start uh, right at the top. Because I think the first thing we need to talk about are Jack's visions, because they're becoming increasingly aggressive and dark. And this isn't the last time we see them in this episode, but what does everyone think is going on here? And what is this adding uh, to Jack for you? Is there any particular direction you think this is going through? Ryan, please feel free to start us off. Well, like I said, this is the thing that as as the end bit of episode four, where I thought this this is where the season's going to go off the rails. This plot line's going to be really stupid. It's going to be, you know, as Jack as a villain or whatever, wherever it's going to go, I don't like where this is going. And it it might still prove to be that. But uh for now, <laughs> I am the rest of this episode was awesome, which I know we're going to get there. So I I'm still very, I guess, emotionally defensive about <laughs> about <laughs> about this because, like I said, I'm I'm just like it's I'm waiting. I'm like a you know, I'm like a a, a mistreated dog where I'm just like waiting for like wait nope is this gonna are you gonna nope, is this gonna be bad okay well, so we'll see I don't know the jury's still out on on what's going on with Jack for me sure I'm totally understandable I I can especially. I think I can just from context clues infer your perspective on the first two seasons. So I don't blame <laughs> you for the defensiveness. I, yeah. I, I truly don't. Uh, <laughs> Ty, how about you? What's going on with Jack here? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I have feelings pretty similar to Ryan. Like I, I'm not pro vision. Uh, it feels like uh, it just kind of feels like they're trying to get me to wonder about something that I'm not really wondering about. Uh, I will say the, the visions, uh, the much more specific visions of him kind of like murdering Starfleet personnel, um, feels like that's going somewhere a little more potentially interesting than just the like weird kind of like viney wing things and like weird disconnected phrases, you know, like, uh, um, and I think that leads me to the thing that like also concerns me about these visions is not just like where it's leading, but when it's leading there. And it's like, please don't like, don't let's not do another season of uh, Picard or a Star Trek show where things are like leading up and we have so many questions and it's just questions, questions, questions until the final episode of the season when they finally throw some answers at us. And uh, I've just, kind of found that style of doing the serialized thing pretty like unsatisfying like as you go back and watch tng and ds9 where like so much stuff happens in 48 minutes right and then they're trying to get me to be like really really invested in like a similar level of stuff over like six hours of tv and i'm just like (laughs) oh like come on move it along you know um so i do appreciate that it does seem to be moving along but like yeah i'm not i don't you know let's yeah you know on on that note it's 
I think maybe part of the reason I'm so angry at, at this at whatever's going on with Jack <laughs> is because we know this is the final season of this show. This right. is the send off right. for these characters that we love so much. I would like Jack to go away immediately. Like just I, wrap up his arc. I want him gone. Bring me Brent Spiner. Bring me more Worf. You know, get, get everybody back in here. Get LeVar Burton. LeVar. It's like, I just want, I, I don't care. I guess that's what it is. I don't care about Jack. I don't right. want to care about Jack. They're not necessarily, I, I definitely, as much as I have generally, you know, pretty much almost entirely other than this, you know, what's potentially going on here, been enjoying season three, the, the whole like son of Picard that we never, that we never knew about. And he never knew about is dumb. That is a dumb plot line. So I think I just dislike Jack and his, not him, the actor or anything, but just his presence and how much screen time, like how much of the story he's, I, I just, I don't want any of it. Preach it. Well, when uh, we had a, a, a friend of the show, Kyle Sullivan, who runs a YouTube channel, great YouTube channel called Trexpertise. I think he described Jack's face as quite punchable. So he was actually he was rather happy when William Riker did exactly that to Jack. So and, and him know. having a British accent is the dumbest thing. I know they 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 tried to make reference of it in episode I don't know if it was two or three, but, right. yeah. but it, like it did come up with Beverly Crusher, and I was just like, this is no, this is all this is all really dumb. You know what that reminds me of, and I think you guys can appreciate this reference, is uh, the penguin in Arkham City. Because they explain his backstory. He grew up in Gotham. Yeah, They right. explain his backstory as having gone to some prep school in England, and he just kind of adopted a bad Cockney accent. <laughs> it's kind of similar. It's weird how, how that kind of rhymes. But uh, Cicero... Um, you have alluded to your perspectives on the previous episodes. I imagine that informs how you thought this opened with Jack. Uh, it did on the first rewatch. On the second rewatch, it it actually gave me clarity. Oh, and uh, um, and oh man! All right, uh, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spoil it right now. So, Uh-oh. Jack Crusher is a changeling. He is the one changeling. So he is not, you know, like he's the Neo Matrix changeling that's going to take down all the other changelings that are changelinging all over the place. <laughs> right. Um, he so he is that one. He is not the only changeling amongst them. Um, so like he didn't come alone. So he is not. Picard's son, but that's what Beverly Crusher wants everyone, including Jack, to believe. Hmm. So that's does a, Jack so, know he's a changeling? I don't think he does. Okay. That's interesting. I don't think Sleeper he does. Changeling? Sleeper changeling. Yes. Sleeper neo changeling. Yeah. We've seen yeah, something so. similar before. Right. Um, right. I guess my perspective is a little bit different uh, because of his eyes. We've actually seen characters have these like possessed red eyes before and it's in deep space nine. And I'm sorry because Ryan hasn't seen it. it. Ty, you're not there yet. Do it. 
But a big theme of Deep Space Nine are the wormhole aliens that the Bajorans worship as the prophets, right? Right. And the prophets right. have an equal and opposing force called what, the yeah. Paw Wraiths. Yeah. And the, I was talking with Kyle a little bit about this the other day, who is he he knows the continuity dynamics better than I do. But we have seen these possessions. Jake Sisko has been possessed by a paw wraith in the past. So there is a chance that this could be that sort of alien interdimensional war that was hinted at in the final three seasons of DS9 coming resurgent. And Ty, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But I think it I think it needs Rip to be said. The end of DS9 featured the Paw Wraiths being sealed for eternity in the fire caves of Bajor, and sealed with them was one Gull Screen Ducat. Ducat. So you think this is possessed Gull Ducat? I think there's a chance that we could see Ducat. I do. And for those people unfamiliar with Deep Space Nine, what I will say, look, Khan has he, Khan looms large in terms of Star Trek antagonists. When people think of Star Trek villains, there's no Joker except for Khan in the eyes of a lot of people, right? Gold Ducat is hands Gold down Ducat. the yeah. single best antagonist in the Star Trek franchise, bar none. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, yeah. if they go this direction, it's strange because we're, te- we're dealing with the next generation crew. We haven't seen anyone from DS9 except for Worf, because, but right. Worf came later. You know, he was a, t- right. so if this does end up following through the thing that Kyle said to me, and I don't, I, the reason I'm giving that, I, I don't want to, you know, bridge his idea, but he said, this is seeming just as much as a DS9 season eight as it is a TNG season eight. So I'm kind of of two minds about that. As a continuity nerd and a huge Star Trek fan, that is awesome. But I am a little worried that there could be too much of a barrier to entry for people who might not know what's going on. And that's on the writers to effectively explain, to bring people up to speed and get them as emotionally invested as the longtime fans could be. Again, I don't know if this is going to pan out, but that's what it looks like. So we'll see what happens. I wanted to put it on the record so that if it does pan out, we can refer to it later. But that's a lot of talking. I apologize. We have a lot more to talk about. So <laughs> let's uh, let's move along with the plot. Um, well, actually, so there's another point here. So Captain Riker has no hesitation in turning the Titan back over to Captain Shaw. But Shaw is certainly all too pleased with the idea of bringing the music to Riker and, and Picard. So I guess I'd just like to check in with everyone's thoughts about Shaw, because he's certainly come a long way in the minds of a lot of viewers over the course of the first four episodes. Ryan, in terms of Captain Shaw, and I know you were a, D, uh, a TNG fan, so you probably, maybe you thought of Jellico when you saw Captain Shaw for the first time, but what do you make of him? Is he someone that you hated at the beginning that you came to like? Did you always like him from the beginning, like Cicero said he did? What's your perspective on the journey that we've gone through with Captain Shaw? You know, I, <laughs> I this will probably not make any like logical sense, really. But I, I guess I, I disliked Shaw, and they, I think they, the writers probably wanted us to dislike Shaw sure. at first. But I disliked him not just because because I like Picard so much. Like I was like, <laughs> how dare you <laughs> be so mean to 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 my Jean Luc? What what is going on here? But. Um, but I, I like, you know, the, the performance has been wonderful. I don't know the actor's name, 
Um, but the, the arc with him and why he hates Picard and Riker are it's, it makes a lot, it makes sense. Like why this guy is so annoyed uh, and, and just, and, and certainly, you know, has been taken to, has been nearly killed because of these guys. Right. So yeah, it's, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad that he went, that after recovering from, from a, you know, pretty grave injury and the ship nearly being destroyed and everyone bored on everyone killed, I'm glad he didn't, you know, just suddenly go like, okay, well, you know, do the, the classic kind of TV thing of, I guess we're friends now. And <laughs> no, he still hates these guys. And he's still yeah. like, oh yeah, I, I like, I narked on you guys with Starfleet instantaneously and they're coming for you right now. So uh, yeah, I, I really like what's gone on with Shaw. Mm-hmm. I'm curious when he explained sort of what his beef was with Picard, did you find that story to be compelling? You said, yeah, it does make sense. Did it give you any more sympathy for him or are you, is, is his firmness against Picard really putting up your shields against him? No pun intended. Well, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, it's a Star Trek show. Yeah, no, I, I, it was definitely, it was a, it was a neat callback to the Locutus era and, sure. you know, cause yeah. that, that was, that would have like scarred a whole generation of people of, of people in and out of Starfleet. Uh, and here's this guy who, you know, it, it is a little weird that like, we're, we're, you know, we're accepting of seven, but not of Picard so much. Like, although he kind of, he doesn't really like her either, I guess, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it certainly made sense. And, uh, and yeah, I can, if you kind of, you can understand why he's he's become like that's like defined his a big part of his life is is the yeah. events of this horrible battle. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, yeah. I think uh, Kyle said that it would make sense if Picard is a bit of a pariah, but of course, as the audience, we have such a relationship. We know that this guy is really beyond, uh, above reproach. So how dare you? How dare you? You assault verbally, though it may be. Our guy, that's just, is preposterous. Uh, Cicero, your journey with Captain Shaw, how was it affected? Like, he didn't have as much of a role in this episode, but I'm just curious because we didn't talk last time. Uh, what What's this coming up to for you? Um, so uh, I, I've, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, but I'm in love. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, his, his name is Liam Shaw. Yeah. Uh, I, I am giddy. I am over the moon. Um, I hope, I hope that he, um, also reciprocates my love, but even if he doesn't, I will love him. Maybe I'll even love him more because he does it. My love is, is unrequited. Uh, listen, th- this performance is incredible. Um, he, he, again, like he just eats, I know he wasn't on the show a lot, but the things that I continue to remember are when Captain Shaw is, you know, what do you, what do you say? I, like, I feel, I feel chipper, right? right it's yeah. not because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Like, so that's how I feel when he's, when he's on in, in the scene, I feel chipper. Um, he made me like that performance, the, the writing, the way, he um he used his body to to tell the story um made me laugh genuinely like from my belly 
because I just really was was like so overwhelmed with the way that performance just landed with me. It was so good. He's such a great foil and you understand like he's a dick, but he's like he's supposed to be a dick and you understand that from his perspective, you know what? Being a dick is the right thing to do. And and you know like you can't blame the dude. What do you say? It's at some so, point, asshole replaced so charm, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's just he. But the thing about it was, from a certain point of view, at every step of the way, Captain Shaw is doing the right thing. Every step of the way, when when he he tells on Picard and and Seven and Riker when when he's supposed to. He listens to them and does what they need him to do when he's supposed to. Um, he gives up command to Riker when he's supposed to. And like, and even now when, you know, ah, oh, you know, damn it, we've got to leave. He's doing the right thing at every single turn. He is the guy that is doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, and he, he remains consistent. Sure. He's so good. He's so good. The the love just keeps flowing from this episode. Oh, man. I, I told you it. I'm, I'm smitten. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, like I'm just over the moon right now. You got to tweet it at Todd Stashwick. You you right. have to tweet at him. <laughs> and we have to tell him that he's going to enjoy it if he downloads this episode. <laughs> I mean, he's probably not going to see it, but it's worth a try. So, uh Ty, how about you? Any additional thoughts on Captain Shaw? Uh, no, if that's on- if if that's your plan, you should skip me. I like, I, you know, I just, he's fine. Uh, maybe it's because, and and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the actor's name, Todd Stashwick. Uh, you know, he he's uh, from my neck of the woods, from around Chicago. Right. Uh, he plays so is Captain Shaw, show, a dipshit from Chicago. Yeah. Um, maybe my, you know. Uh, Large amounts of life experience with dipshits from Chicago is kind of what makes it not uh, as interesting to me. I don't think he's bad or anything, but I just think at some point, like, you know, asshole became a a substitute for charm and uh, insisting uh, upon a character's traits became a substitute for uh, building those traits Ooh. and demonstrating them through <laughs> interesting the situations are being thrown. Yeah. And, and I think this has been mentioned elsewhere, but ta- not Todd Stashwick's first appearance in the franchise. He played a, what you, who you think is a Vulcan named Taylock in an excellent, th- excellent three episode arc of Star Trek enterprise when it got very good in its final season. Um, and he was actually a Romulan agent who was trying to sow discord in order to, reunify the planets under Romulan rule. Uh, and just uh, that season underrated. In fact, we should talk about Star Trek enterprise season four at some point, because that's when it got its groove. And then of and course they, got- they killed it. So, yep. you know, and then Star Trek was gone from TV for 12 years. So yeah, I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> let's move along with the plot. Um, and there's a big one. So then came a shocker since it's revealed that the Starfleet officer heading the security team on the, the Intrepid is none other than Commander Ro Laren, who betrayed Starfleet years earlier by defecting to the Maquis. Upon seeing her, Picard is overcome with anger at the idea that she's managed to find her way back into Starfleet. Meanwhile, Beverly conducts the imposter's autopsy and discovered the changelings have evolved 
to hold their shape longer and evade body scanning technology developed during the Dominion War. She notifies Picard, but Commander Rowe instead redirects him alone into the holodeck. So, for those keeping score at home, the last time we saw Roe Laren was in the 1994 penultimate episode of The Next Generation, the one that aired right before the series finale, All Good Things, an episode called Preemptive Strike, which depicted Roe's infiltration of the Maquis before eventually choosing to join the cause. And I think it's fair to say that Roe is a bit of a source of Star Trek legend, not just because she herself was a beloved character, but she was actually intended to fill the role of the XO of Deep Space Nine before that show's creators developed the character of Kira Norris. I've always been fascinated by the idea of Roe still being out there somewhere and wondered why she never appeared on DS9 because it seemed like a pretty tailor-made show for her to show up in considering the, the politics at play and the religious uh, connotations at play. But I definitely want to know what you guys thought about this return. Um, were you surprised? Have you been spending the last 29 years wondering what she's been up to? Uh, what do you make of this? Ty, you probably have seen the episode most recently that she last appeared in, uh, in, in comparison to the rest of us. What do you make of Rose return? How did it feel for you? Yeah, maybe. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan. Like, you know, I always really liked her character. Um, I, so I'll say this, I thought her return, uh, was a really interesting beat for this story. And I thought it brought out, uh, an incredible performance, uh, from Picard and also from Roe. Um, I, I, I wasn't spending any time wondering, uh, what had happened to Roe. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why for a couple reasons. One is just like, I kind of, you know, I'm just a little bit wary of the, like the, the inverse, like everything turns into itself and everything is an in reference and everything is a callback. Um, and I just think sometimes that gets a little like almost distracting, um, from like just telling a story, um, that has merits of its own. And then the other piece is like, if you're going to go back and make me start thinking like, Hey, all those loose threads from TNG are like really loose threads and like could just show up at any time. Like, yo, so much crazy stuff happens in TNG. <laughs> and like a lot of times the episode gets like, they like get out of immediate danger, but then just like the credits play, you know what I mean? Like they don't really like, there's not a lot of like addressing trauma or like making sure to like put safeguards in place. So this doesn't happen again. Um, and so like, yeah, like this was cool. Uh, but like, I I don't, I don't want every episode to have something like this in it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I think so. I mean, kind of what I said earlier about, uh, increase or raising the barrier to entry right when it comes to these callbacks it yeah. sounds like that is I, I i am curious too in one of the ready rooms terry metallis said oh he was like he couldn't contain himself he's like we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this thread that nobody even thought to ask about like nobody even remember you know was thinking of as a loose thread and I, i'm really curious whether this is that or whether there's uh you know something bigger that more like you'll know when you see it on the horizon maybe maybe it's the masks from the episode masks hey. you know, <laughs> and spiner's finest performance you know, where he like six different characters all possessed but yeah you know, the, the tmg goofiness it's great uh ryan commander roe laren what uh what do you make of this shocking return well i i also had not thought about the character in the last 29 years <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm but, alone in that. Really? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's nothing against Roe, but no, yeah, it, it was not. still, it was neat to see, you know, it's, it's nice to see a, a, an interesting character come back. And, and I did like that, you know, she served a, 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 an interesting purpose in the episode. It wasn't just like, Hey, it happens to be me. Like there was, you know, that there was kind of, you know, there was more there than met the eye, which I appreciated. So, and, and yeah, the, um, it's how you mentioned the, the great performances, uh, in the, in, in the, um, holodeck there in that scene with, with, with her and Picard. That was, that was cool. So yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it is, it's a little weird seeing like, 80 something year old Patrick Stewart talk about some like romantic fling. <laughs> you know, Picard's supposed to be like 90 something, isn't he? I think the character's yeah. even older than the actor. Yeah. Uh, reminiscing from, you know, even 30 years ago about with this like much, much, much younger person. <laughs> so that little bit of it's kind of a little strained, a little off, but no, it was, uh, I, I like where the row storyline went. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. And just to put a, a, a finer point on what you said, yes, Picard canonically established he was born in 2305. This season takes place in 2401. So 96? 96. Yeah. That's that's up. But, you know, he's a golem now. So uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and 96 in that century is probably like, you know, 66 in, in this yeah, one. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and remember, 30 years ago, it was the 70s, right? Lots yeah. of things happened in the 70s. <laughs> so, so it wasn't as strange as, as you guys make it out to be. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, well, Cicero, um, Commander Rowe. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Chris? I, I'm not going to say that you're alone in thinking this. I will just say that you're in rarefied air. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's, um, and and because I too wasn't thinking about this for the last twenty nine years. That is but, the most polite way I think you could have <laughs> possibly phrased that. So I admire that. Hey, you're quite welcome, sir. So, um, what what I do remember is loving those episodes with Ensign Rowe, right? Sure. And and the relationship. Outside of the creep factor, the relationship between her and Picard on TNG and the betrayal and and everything that happened with that and and um and then you know coming forward, uh, I really love the performance. I also Ty was thinking about that ready room with Terry Metalis and them talking about oh yeah we, you know we've got someone. No one was even thinking about it. No one you know this this character we can't wait until this character comes out and i mean this has to be it and 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 if this is it it's almost disappointing but it's not, like but to say that kind of does a disservice to the performance and everything else because it was amazing but like 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 ryan said this is it, right? This is the end of this show, right? This is the last time we're going to see, we're going to play with these toys from this toy box, from that toy set. And we want to be able to spend as much time with them as we possibly can. So like, if this was the big reveal of the special person that was coming back, it was great, but 
but damn it, there are so many more that I was hoping for that that probably aren't coming back um, besides the people that we know. Um, but but the performance was great, and 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 you know, narratively it was great, and and all of that stuff, I loved it. You know, real quick, on a, a quick aside, but on that note, your audience may like turn on me instantly for asking for not knowing <laughs> this. Do do we know how many episodes this season is? I think ten. It's ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's ten. So we're right in the middle. So, okay, yeah. that's that's what I was. That's what I've been curious of. Like, how long right. do we have? Okay, thank you guys. Right. Yeah, it's certainly a far cry from twenty six episodes of TNG that we would get per season. So, episode real estate absolutely is precious. It's a precious commodity for any of these modern shows, but this one in particular because. Uh, you know, it's making good on the nemesis tagline, a generation's final journey begins, right? So I understand. I guess where yeah, I come down to, on to it. To derail the show for yes. two <laughs> seconds one more time, just since this is, you know, I may I may not be back on this season, with you know, for the rest <laughs> of the season with you guys. Just do you, do you guys want to see Picard die at the end of this? Do you want the character to, to actually, do, do you want a Picard death scene or... Or no? Where do you guys stand with that? Just to to derail the show for like two minutes. No, no, no. I think that's a good question, Cicero. Why don't you go first? All right. Um, I I haven't thought about it. Um, you know, I just kind of want a some some sort of resolution, whether it's right off into the sunset, whether it's right off into the incinerator. I it, like it doesn't necessarily matter Toy which Story it is. 3, what's up? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's broken me. Um, so it, it, like, I don't know if it, 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 if it really matters, I just want it to be satisfying, like, and, and have it be what it is. Um, it almost is cliche if he just kind of like Neo's himself and, you know, like for the betterment of whatever the stakes are. Um, he's already kind of done that. Like he did that already in season one. So, you know, to do it again. Eh. Sure. Ty, what about you? Yeah, he's going to, I want him to pick the, pick the third option where you join with the Reapers and you evolve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something like that, I think. But I, I, seriously though, I do like, I do think there needs to be some closure on the character. Like it, it, I don't, necessarily need a death scene but i definitely need like a uh like i wouldn't mind like a closing on like you know he's back at chateau picard with laris or whatever but like i don't i don't want any sense that this this person is still uh up to any adventures at the end of the season (laughs) let him rest (laughs) let him rest he could probably use it um about you yeah where i come down on it is uh I mean, my favorite Star Trek movie is six is the undiscovered country, which was the final journey of the original crew. And they managed to tell in that movie, an emotionally compelling story that put a pin in 25 years of adventures without killing anybody. I don't, I wouldn't have been against it if they did. Uh, I think it's whatever is most emotionally gratifying for the the people who have put in the love and the time to, you know, bring these characters into their hearts and to really feel like they're friends. I mean, that's the thing about us longtime Star Trek fans. These guys were our friends, right? We had a, a 
parasocial relationship, but it was an inspiring one. And we got to see these people grow and evolve over decades, which at that point was very unprecedented. If Picard can have a similar kind of send off for himself, I'm open to it, including death, but I don't think it's a requirement. How about you, Ryan? I, uh, after how season one ended, I do not want him to see him die. I just, I, it, I think it's, it's so, it's just the easy way out, uh, of, of, you know, 30 plus years with this character. Um, he doesn't have to be off. I agree with Ty. He doesn't have to be like off adventuring and still out there. Although I would be okay if it is, if it's just like, he's still gonna get into some shenanigans and we're just not gonna see it anymore. And we're just going to imagine him like he's, He'll be out there amongst the stars and, until he until his his positronic brain gives out. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I if if they're if they do kill him off, the bar's pretty high because they they fucked up season one so bad at the end, like <laughs> so bad. Um, Something. So if yeah, you that, have to pull that trick out of the hat again, right? Yeah. Dying so, again. <laughs> so yeah, I I I am currently in the in the, I do not want to see him killed off. Uh, but if they do, it's yeah, the, the, the bar, the bar is going to be very high and I'm not I confident think, that this show can hit that bar. I think that's a totally, <laughs> totally understandable perspective. Um, you know, the thing that it makes me think of too, was the conversation, like really the one substantive conversation that Picard had with captain Kirk which was don't let them promote you. Don't let right. them transfer you because as long as you're on the bridge of that ship, you can make a difference. And he did let them promote him, which you could argue is a misstep that season one made, but I wouldn't mind seeing some service given to, to that idea because Picard certainly seemed to think that it felt right. And, you know, we saw him on the enterprise for a lot. Long. Maybe that's the cameo that no one saw coming from this show. Captain Kirk, bring him back. Why oh, not? Right? How I, I can give you a few, uh, few reasons. Uh, right. <laughs> well, Dude, wow. I, I, I thought you weren't going to say Kirk. I thought you were going to say an Enterprise, and like right. they all end up back on on an Enterprise. Is is uh, is wait? Was E destroyed or is E still? But it's as been a while. No, the Enterprise. You guys know this better than I do. The Enterprise E, I believe, was decommissioned. Okay. Um, and the Enterprise F is around and they actually derive the design from Star Trek Online. And I think pre-release materials indicated that the Enterprise F was approaching its decommissioning. Okay. So we might be on to G by the time the show ends. I don't know. We'll, or we'll maybe it's like they they all ride off in F and that's the, you know, right. the, as, you as F, F you. No, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> ride anyway. the F off, right? <laughs> <laughs> Enough of me uh, throwing, you know, just swerving your show off the, no, off the side of the cliff. <laughs> not, at, not at all. That's an absolutely worthy tangent because it's not a question we've broached before and it's absolutely in the cards for this. So I appreciate you bringing it up because, uh, you know, we'll certainly have to see how it unfolds. Um, but back to, to Ro before we move along with the plot of the episode, where I come down on on her reappearance and the substance that she brings to the character interactions I'm fine with those callbacks as long as it's not going to cut the current audience off from the emotional service that she is supposed to give to a scene. And I think they did a pretty good job of establishing what their relationship was. It just, I think it hits harder 
for people who have seen the episodes that she was included in. But the mechanical purpose within the story seemed to be they needed to have it out so that they knew they were actually talking to who they thought they were talking to. And in that respect, I think it accomplished it and it just managed to hit a little bit higher because of such a, such a well-documented history between these two people. And um, yeah, I mean, when I was reading the Star Trek encyclopedia as a kid, I read Ro Laren's article backwards and forwards by, by Mike Okuda. So I was, uh, I was over the moon to see this, um, but did it stay that way? We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but let's move along with the plot. So Picard and Roe have it out in the holodeck, airing grievances with each other that have been simmering for the better part of three decades. After both of them clearly understand that each is who they say they are, Roe confides in Picard that she suspects the changeling conspiracy has compromised Starfleet's highest levels, as well as both Intrepid and the Titan. Picard ultimately realizes he still trusts her, and they reconcile before Roe gives Picard her earring. Roe abruptly orders her security team to disembark the Titan, and she pilots her shuttle back to the other ship, but changeling saboteurs plant a bomb on board, forcing her to steer into the Intrepid, apparently sacrificing herself. So we just discussed the shock of seeing Roe return. First, let's talk about the discussion slash argument that she and Picard had to to blow off steam. And I know we touched on some of the emotional resonance, but what I want to know from everybody is, did this feel real and earned to you guys? Uh, Ryan, did, did this manage to sort of suck you into the emotional conveyance of the moment or did you kind of put it aside? What'd you think? No, it definitely did. Yeah. It, it, it got there for me. This was, this was part of, this was a big part of what made this episode really good. Um, I was, I was all in with it. Uh, and, and it was, you know, it, for, it's funny. I actually was thinking like, wait a minute, is she for a minute? I was, I, I was thinking, is she intentionally, uh, steering towards the ship with the shuttle to to just try mm. and take as many of the changelings out and then but but yeah no it's <laughs> your explanation was the correct explanation about about uh you know setting up you know framing framing um Picard and Breaker and Shaw as well but yeah but yeah this was uh it was really good i i liked what they did with this mm-hmm. absolutely um Ty, did this conversation sway you at all, or were you just kind of rolling your eyes through the whole thing? Um, yeah, no, I liked it. I thought, uh, you, you know, performances were strong, but like in contrast to some of the other, you know, big dramatic uh, dialogues we've had this season, like it was about something that felt really interesting to me, and that was kind of like zooming out on the season and and identifying what's going on and what the threat is uh, beyond. Uh, there's like some giant ship trying to kill us and right. Picard has a kid, right? Like it's like there's actually there's a conspiracy. There's a plot, right? Like there is a reason that the crew of the Enterprise needs to like get back together and use some teamwork and science to solve some problems, right? Like it's not just about Picard's genetics or whatever anymore. Um, and I think that was a really important uh, you know, shift for the show to make at this point. Uh, my wife and I going into the episode, um, as the, you know, as we were starting it up, we said, I, I think this episode is a turning point for both of us. Like if we really don't like this episode, then no matter how good the last 
what did we say four or five episodes are like mm-hmm. it, it's not going to feel like the season was a success um if this episode isn't good and then after this episode we turned to each other and we said oh, i think i think they did it i think we're still uh you know along for the ride of this uh season and this scene was yeah a, a huge part of that so definitely yeah it worked for me well the die is certainly cast by the time we get to the final scene but uh We'll we'll get to that, of course. But sure. Cicero, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the just the conversation were you were you taken with the emotion that was conveyed between Picard and Roe when they had their conversation discussion yeah, yeah, argument? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I think part of it was like as I was watching it, I was like watching it from the perspective of someone who um, was is a is a is watching Picard because they were a fan of TNG. Um, Maybe they watched most of the episodes. They probably have seen this character before, but they don't really remember any of that stuff. This conversation gave you everything that you needed, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, hey, he took her under his wing. Oh, wait a minute, they smashed. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but they, but but they really liked each other. It seemed like it was cool. All right, but something happened, and she bounced, and then you know, oh, she betrayed them. Oh, okay. But yeah, cause, you know, because, you know, Popo is, they do stuff that, that's not on the level sometimes. And so she just went off and was doing the other thing with the other people. I get it. And it broke his heart. It broke her heart. We got it back together. And there we go. And that's, you know, and that is the story of Ro Lauren. Right? Did you just and, write a Motown song? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right? Um, but but like I, I really homes with sometimes we <laughs> smashed. <laughs> right. Parentheses, um, you broke my heart. <laughs> you broke my heart. Right? <laughs> but yeah, I I mean the the scene was great. These are these are the types of moments that that um that people that are fans of Picard, people that are fans of TNG, are tuning in for. Right, this is that type of payoff. That even if you don't intimately remember th- this particular character or these particular moments that they're talking about, um, you can feel the emotion of the fact that they these two were intimate, right? So like that part, all of that stuff like comes together really, really well in this episode and and in this particular scene. See, I'm going to need that bludgeoned over my head because I actually took it a little bit differently. I felt like when Picard was sort of caught with his, when when he was sort of stammering with her, when he was talking to her, it seemed to indicate to me that there was something unrequited there between she and him. Yeah, because, because... He had a very definitive, like he, he felt like he knew who she was and she was duplicitous and, and, and cowardly and, and callous. And, and he, and he, and he hated the fact that he loved her as genuinely as he did. Yes. And he was shocked to find out that she felt similarly to him about him from her. Mm-hmm. And he, could, he couldn't fathom how that was possible because he knew in his brain that he understood this, this dynamic perfectly. And she presented 
alternate facts, you know, as, as, <laughs> alternative, as, right, right, alternative facts that, that, um, that really help to fully color his, his perspective of those situations mm-hmm. that, that in the moment you're, you're recalibrating. Sure. Right. Like, because, because the, the foundation of your rage has, has been confidently and completely destroyed. So now you've got to either maintain that rage uh, or come to grips with the fact that maybe over the last 30 years, you, you truly didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And that certainly came out, especially in their final conversation. So yeah, that's an effective way of putting it as always, my friend. Um, Well, so my thing with this is that it looks like at least and granted you know misdirection is a thing is a, it's a dramatic tool and that's fine but it looks like as quickly as she returns to the star trek universe roe may now be permanently excised from it and if that's the case i gotta say that does not sit well with me you know it's just like you spend not an insignificant amount of time in this episode building up her return the the uh the the resetting of their relationship where they do begin to understand each other and he finally says i do see you in in their their final exchange and then just to kill her seems like a picard season one decision to me in fact it was a decision they made in picard season one because you know for what five minutes we saw a character named icheb in uh in picard season one on an operating table and Icheb. Uh, not insignificant amount of time with seven aboard Voyager. We got to see him kind of grow up a little bit and become a remote Starfleet cadet. Uh, and then Picard just decided to be like, nah, he, the, he, they killed him in as brutal a fashion as possible. Your love of this character means nothing. It's not as bad as that was, but it's not great. At least to me, what do you guys think of, uh, of Rose apparent death here? Ryan, please start us off. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. It's uh, there. There are a lot of different things they could have done. Even if she wasn't necessarily going to play a, m- much or even necessarily any role in the rest of the season, she could have been back. You know, trying to continue her investigation and in, in, at Starfleet, and you know, trying to make a make a difference. And but yeah, to to just like just blow her up. Uh, uh, on the shuttle is just like, well, okay, I guess <laughs> hello and goodbye. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. It was definitely, um, the death was the, the redemption was great. The death was maybe not earned. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ty, please. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it definitely did have some echoes of the each situation. Uh, I hate to say it, but maybe even some like, I'll say it this way. You would like to think that was a lesson that would have been learned, like you heard in the talk coming up to this season. Like, hey, we're like not going to accidentally make Nemesis the season. Um, right. <laughs> and there's just like, you know, a little bit of an echo of, of that there. Um, but I think, it, yeah, like I, I didn't really even suspect that she might not be dead. Uh, the way you're talking about it, it makes it makes sense. But um, I, I think, yeah, th- that might not be the last, like, kind of 
uh, jarring death that we get even this season. Like there's going to be some like, you know, the book is closing, like some <laughs> some stuff is going to happen on these uh, final pages uh, that's going to, you know, Picard wants his legacy. Uh, Picard the show wants its legacy on on the Star Trek franchise. And so I think there's going to be some, uh, yeah, jarring and maybe not so pleasant moments to come. Um, but yeah, I think she, she might be out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't have a very sufficient prop for this. The only one I've got right here is a Metroid, but I mean, if I didn't see a little body in the wreckage of the shuttle going like this, <laughs> right. I think there's room. I think there's a little bit of room for her to have survived that in some way, but you know, Roe is not a Metroid. Of course, that's probably a good thing. Um, Cicero, the, the death of commander Roe of the apparent death of commander Roe. Yeah, like Ty, I I didn't think about her not being dead until you said something, and and actually I was okay with her dying, right? Because she's you you kind of close that loop, right? Like you 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 got the story, right? Like I mean, you got the story between her and Picard, right? This season is about Picard, right? Like ultimately, that's who we care about. We care about Picard and the people on the Enterprise and, you know, and she was on the Enterprise for a little while, but we don't really care about her like that, like that. Well, except for, hey, except, no, for, I, except I, for Chris, right? Yeah. Right? Um, but but like but like the, the I mean, so, you know, so she did her thing. We got we got what we needed. Picard got his closure. He, you know, he recognized his faults so he could potentially go back to Laris an even better, more well-adjusted man than he was supposed to go back to Laris as before. And like, if Roe is still around, what are you going to have this weird love triangle or <laughs> oh this weird, like, you know, uh, <laughs> section you know like oh this, i got a section 31 romance also like you know oh yeah you were a spy and she was a spy we can you know we can mr and mrs and mrs smith this thing triangle um, man, that is a one, square right. if you right. involve beverly crusher so, <laughs> yeah right we'll, we'll so see i got i've got feelings about uh beverly crusher that maybe we want to explore at some point all right yeah yeah well we we are gonna we are gonna mention her before before we dismiss here but um so next with the plot, um, the saboteurs attempt to transport off of the Titan with Jack, but he's overcome by his visions and deftly shoots them all dead before they can even react, which, you know, is not an easy thing to do. As we find out across DS9, changelings are notoriously difficult to kill. Uh, so that's, it's kind of crazy. Um, Picard and Riker realize Rose earring contains the intelligence she gathered and a communicator and they begin piecing together her long-running investigation about a changeling infiltration of Starfleet, the nightmare of the Dominion War surreptitiously made real under Starfleet Command's nose. So what I want to ask you guys about when it comes to this is just the nature of this as a driver of the plot. Because, Ryan, you haven't seen Deep Space Nine yet. Ty, you're working your way through it, but you're not finished yet. You're roughly the little over the halfway point. Cicero, mm-hmm. you've seen DS9, of course. Um the just the incorporation of changelings of a like a side of of the Star Trek universe that uh, that you don't know as much about in comparison with the TNG characters that we're seeing um, is this a compelling thread to you and uh, you know there's certainly no wrong answers here because I can see how this could leave people cold 
So um, does this feel compelling the way that the Picard writers are setting it up? Or would you prefer, you know, let's get back to focus on TNG and let's excise some of this stuff that I don't really understand as much. Are you more open to it? What are your feelings on it? Uh, Ryan, please. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I, I, I am not, I'm very wary of Jack as the apparent vehicle for this. Right. But I do really like uh, the, that there are now high stakes that, Oh, you know, we have a, we have a, like a Star Trek movie level uh, situation of, Oh, okay. All of Starfleet, you know, Starfleet itself may be compromised by these changelings. So yeah, even though, even if the changelings themselves aren't quite as familiar to me or, but, but, or, or, um, or even necessarily great as a villain. Cause it's like, oh, okay. They can just tell, you know, turn into anybody they want, but just the, what the, the actions that they are, that they are causing. I like that the stakes are high and that's so, so when this crew gets back together, which, okay, it looks like, Worf's about to, you know, jump in, you know, somehow find his way onto the Titan. And uh, we've got a couple more to go. So, you know, I, it, it seems like it, it's a good reason for this crew to get back together and have to like save Starfleet. So for, for that, I'm fully on board with it. Um, I just, like I said, I just, I'm wary of, of the Jack thread getting uh, necessarily, you know, too much screen time when, when, as we've said, that he's not who I'm tuning in for. No, I hadn't considered that, but I think that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. As long as the threat is potent enough to bring these characters back together, you're here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Cicero, um, are you concerned at all about this maybe rubbing some people the wrong way, or, or are you just along for the ride and think it's cool? Uh, rub which which part rubbing the like the changelings being such a driver of the plot for the entire no movie. so I mean so well I guess from from my perspective is you can't unknow what you know right sure and yeah. like I understand unlike Ryan I really understand the threat that the changelings bring from you know from experience as opposed to. I, you know, an idealized version of what they seem to present. Um, and, and obviously these changelings in Picard season three are, are somewhat different to the changelings that we saw during the, you know, the infiltration in the Dominion War. Um, so, I mean, so there's that part. But what I really appreciate from this season of Picard is and you know what they're uh, proposing for the second half of the season um is exactly how you do stakes in star trek mm. right like so you know uh, one of my biggest complaints about discovery has been that every season they try to up the stakes to the point where you know i mean we're just going to be fighting against the nothingness right like like there's they, they, the stakes were always way too high and they didn't have to be that high. They could have just been important. And that's what we've got here. We, you know, the, the, the universe isn't at stake. Now, maybe galactic stability could be at stake because of the changelings taking over, um, in, you know, infiltrating Starfleet the way that they have. But 
that's not what we're concerned with. We're concerned with the act and we're trying to figure out how we can stop that act from happening. And those are perfectly high, high enough stakes sure. for yeah. a, a season of a show um, that again, will drive everyone to, to need to get together because these are the people that they know and we know that we can trust and to it's be also who they poss- say they are. Yeah. And it's, it's also the way that you put it too. Maybe it's possible that some TNG fans might feel shortchanged if they're going up against an enemy that they already defeated. So, right. you know, so this is a new situation for them. We never saw where the sure. enterprise was during the dominion war. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see. Um, Ty, what do you, what do you make of, of this? Cause this is a very unusual time for you. I mean, I had no idea when this season started that it was going to go in this direction, but you've talked about the serendipity as you watch DS nine, how are you sort of interfacing with this, especially at this point in the season? Yeah. I mean, I totally just agree with, uh, you know, my fellow panelists here, like changeling conspiracy, good, uh, Jack <laughs> as the conduit for the changeling conspiracy being unraveled, <clears throat> you know, maybe not so good, but, um, I think also, uh, a couple things. I think Star Trek is really, really at some of its best when it has these um, <clears throat> kind of like simmering uh, political enemies that kind of uh, ebb and flow um, from the Romulans to the Klingons to the Cardassians. Uh, now, I guess you could even put the, the Borg or some subset of the Borg maybe or whatever in this group <laughs> where like and I think this connects to the stakes things. Right. These are opponents that are going to require a more thoughtful and difficult solution than uh, figuring out how to communicate with them or blowing up one of their ships or whatever, right? Like that's not going to be the resolution to this. And so by bringing in one of these like kind of familiar like rivals from the Star Trek universe, it ups the stakes in a way that is really satisfying to me because you know it's going to require um, kind of like a solution that is, I mean, I would hope more, like I don't really remember what the solution to Picard season two was, but it was like, you know, very timey-wimey and like, right, right. Uh, I, I just like, you know, I feel like we have to be headed for kind of like a more satisfying result than that because of the way that they've escalated the stakes. And and the last thing I want to say is I do think too, because they've brought in this other race, the changelings that are like from this whole other quadrant that are not like their inception has nothing to do with Picard. And so I think that's a really good sign that we're probably like going to steer clear of some kind of like, like Jack might be a changeling, but like, I don't think Jack is like a secret, like, clone of picard made by like a soon to like you, you know what i mean um right, like i don't think right. it's a shinzon situation on our hands and so sure. i think it it ups the stakes in a way that is satisfying but it also creates a little bit of uh distance from like the this is just about picard the man his soul like kind of thing right like it is there are galactic stakes here like there's planets races starfleet ships you know like all that stuff like it's not just like who's the father so I, I like that. I don't know, man. Maybe Tom Hardy is that cameo. Uh, Maybe Shinzon is coming back. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think that ship is set. You know, when I was at the set of The Dark Knight Rises, I actually got to ask Tom Hardy 
about playing Shinzon. And he said, he, he was just I like, I was very young when it happened. I was just a kid when it happened. And it was, it was very, very, it was very, very overwhelming. And it's like, he was doing Bane, like while he was talking to us, it was the scene, it was the day that they were shooting the scene on Heinz field where he blows up the football field. So he was like in the zone. We were like his warm up before he went out in front of all the experts, which is cool. But um, yeah, well, yeah, I think that that's well expressed, of course. Um, and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it could go in a number of different directions at this point, especially since we're only at the halfway point. But let's start to wind this down. So Worf and Raffi continue their investigation into the Metallus Prime attack, finding the Vulcan criminal Kryn, who forces them to duel. Raffi seemingly defeats Worf, but Worf manages to kill Kryn's minions, forcing Kryn to give vital information about the attack. Worf ends up contacting Picard and Riker via Rose Earring, which is a big surprise because they had no idea that it was going to be Worf that turned up on the screen. And the sense of relief that like everybody on that call had hit me right <laughs> I was very pleased to see that. Um, but And that's just as the Titan flees the Intrepid. And then the episode ends with Jack admitting to Beverly that he thinks there's something wrong with himself. So... Let's focus a little bit on Metallus Prime first before we round this out. I got to say, I liked Kryn a lot. We don't see a lot of Vulcan criminals. I think we saw one in, in the entirety of DS9, but this guy is like far more vicious and vindictive than, than she was. Uh, what did you guys make of, of the check-in with the, the Worf and Raffi subplot, and how is that coming together for you, particularly that character pairing? Um, Ryan, you know, you, you've mentioned maybe less of an affinity for the show as it comes across so far, but curious about how you think Raffi and Worf combine and if this is something worth watching for you or is it interesting for you? Uh, I'll put it this way. I'll just keep it brief. I, <laughs> I have been getting a little tired of them as a, as a duo. Like I know, like I know we all know the, the crew is coming together. So, so I'm just, I'm like, let's go. So when uh, when Worf, let's just say that if 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 Worf, I would have been really mad if that's actually how Worf had been killed. Like if yeah, you know, especially like with the callback line, like perhaps today is a good day to die. Like all right, now let's. <laughs> all right, yeah, I watched I watched that movie too, but uh, yeah, it's I was very relieved when when uh, he got back up and had simply mastered his. His 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 uh his Zen breathing sta- breathing <laughs> style. Zen, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty ready for the two of them. I like again. I've, I I'm ready for her to be off the show. Like we've had two and a half seasons of her. I don't I don't hate that character, but again, we need to get to the to the TNG crew, and when yeah. when they all get together. I don't want her hanging around anymore. Just like I don't want Jack hanging around once they're all together. So they, they, these people are, these other characters in this season to me are, they are vehicles to get the original crew together and uh, they need to stay out of the way once that happens. So I'm, I'm curious to see where Raffi's story will go. Would you have preferred the unification let's say of the crew to happen earlier in the season or do you think the half okay yeah like i i i get they're probably trying to build it up to like a big emotional thing like oh we've waited 
probably seven episodes. I think I think I would say just based on what I've seen on the screen, best case scenario is we get three episodes with them. But I think it's two is more likely and one is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it's happening next week on episode six. Uh, the, the you know I think war probably warp like it's you know we're gonna we're just you know everybody's getting their moment to to come back in, but um, but yeah that's <laughs> that's uh, that's where I am with it. Well, the only reason I feel okay in saying this is because in officially released publicity stills ahead of the next episode, uh, Lavar Burton prominently features. So we are getting a little closer now. Yeah. I mean, if that comes true, I don't know if he's going to be in the same physical space as everybody else, but we are just missing Deanna at that point. So it seems like things, well, and you know, Brent Spiner, even though he's not going to be data, but you know, he's part right. of the crew, of course. Right. So it seems like things are coming together uh, rather quickly now, but I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, it, it would be nice because the real estate is so precious and so highly valued with these final episodes of the final season. Um, it certainly would have been nice to spend more time with everybody, but I'll reserve final judgment to see what the quality of the time is by the time we get on the other side of the season. But I, I echo your sentiments. I mean, it probably could have moved along a little faster. Uh, Cicero, how about you? Um, in terms of, uh, you know, just like the Worf and Raffi combination. Um, you seem to have enjoyed Raffi, generally speaking, since season so, one, I think. Yeah, in, until this season. Until right? this season, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, love Raffi, love Michelle Hurd, hate Raffi in this season because of exactly what Ryan said. I said it earlier this season. You know, we, this is it. This is it. She's she's in the way, right? Um and she's got to kind of get out of the way. Now, I enjoyed this this particular scene better on the second rewatch on the rewatch because I noticed the mobile emitter, right? And I I love the fact that they actually. Oh, I want to I want to uh, shout out Kurt Acevedo, who is he played Kryn the the uh, the the Klingon. Um, because he's one of those that guy actors, right? He was in Grimm and he was in um he was in Fringe, um, and he was in a lot of really great things. But you, in this performance, you actually see the moment when he looks down and he sees the mobile emitter when he's talking to them, and then he shoots Rafi, right? So like all of that stuff was in the performance. So I really love that. Um but but the rest of it, get rid of it, get get me, you know, get uh, Worf to the rest of the crew. I thought it was dumb that all of a sudden they were using video calls in this clandestine meeting that have always been, you know, text up until this point. Um, but whatever, that was your excuse to get everybody to see each other. So just bring it on. Bring it on. Like, let's stop wasting time. Starfleet Skype. Would Skype exist without Star Trek? Yeah, that's a good, right. good question. I'll have to <laughs> talk to. I'll have to drive over to Redmond and interrogate someone at Microsoft about that. Right, uh, Ty. How about you? Uh, the the Raffi Wharf team up. Are are you feeling similarly to the other members of the panel? Are you getting a little impatient with it, or is it working for you? Yeah, no. Of course, I'm getting impatient with it. Uh, I, you know, I agree with you, Chris. Uh, Corinne was really cool. 
like I think the like just taking like a shadow run character and making them be the the gang uh person in the Star Trek universe is like a really nice fit. Um really, really enjoyed uh just that character and that um performance. Um but like and yeah, it's a good thing Morph didn't die. I would have hurled my remote through the television screen and then I would have sued Paramount, uh, CBS, you know, whoever they are for, breaking uh, your TV. for the damage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, that's a good thing. That is not what occurred there. But like, you know, it was cool, like that they worked together to like, you know, turn the tables on this guy. But it's just like, Rafi, give it a rest. You know what I mean? She's like, Oh, you get it? My friend is bleeding. You're in trouble now. And it's like, first of all, like, shut up and move on with the interrogation. But second of all, like, how does that even work? Like, the guy holding him at gunpoint is bleeding out. Like, that is not a point in your favor. Like, she's like, maybe you didn't take this into account. And it's like, no, I think he did. That's why he's stalling so that the guy with the knife to his throat will bleed out. And it's just like, I don't know. It just feels like they're trying to do this slapstick thing that they keep insisting on with Rafi and it's just like that's not what anybody signed up for this season to get you know what I mean like we keep talking about like people who like are maybe new to the show and not like super familiar with Picard like I I had this question about the Halo show like I don't know that that audience exists like I think I don't know what the numbers are like for these shows and like you know how the financials work out but like I don't know if there's a ton of people like watching Picard season three who aren't like fairly into TNG, you know, and, and like all those people have to just be waiting for Raffi to get out of here and for LaForge <laughs> and Troy to show up and for Worf to get back with the, and like, let's get it done, you know? And if you were going to keep somebody back to what you guys were discussing earlier with, with the TNG crew, like Elnor or like Gerardi would have been such a more fun you know, choice to, to, uh, meld in with that crew and throw into the mix. Um, so yeah, Rafi just, um, I don't know. She got to go. Good good shout out to Elnor. I do miss Elnor. I, I thought that he was a, he was a cool character and was sad that he wasn't in the majority of season two of, of Picard. But, um, you know, the reason that I was not ever worried for Worf is, you know, you could say, well, trailers spoil things, but we haven't heard the line yet where he says, I am a pacifist. Well, you know, we know he's not, right? He's a Klingon pacifist, I think is what we talked about before. But also too, the where the 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 nerdiness comes into play and is helpful, Klingons have like five stomachs and like four livers. They have so many redundant mm, organs mm-hmm. that I have a hard time thinking that a knife like that could have could have down wharf, but you know, well I guess they could have just killed it. and then I would have been like, Well, what about his five stomachs? But you know, we'll see. Uh, all right well um yeah and then you know the the last point i wanted to bring up before we actually dismiss regards um the hallucinations that we saw where jack is admitting i know it was jack oh no but it's our favorite subject in the in beverly's voices in them so that's where i started to think well maybe beverly's the changeling in this group right now maybe the real beverly is still out there somewhere but I don't know. I mean, it's fan supposition. It's I, I generally agree with you guys that, yeah, this is kind of getting – it's another thing that's getting in the way of the crew getting back together. But I do like the idea of maybe being uh, the, the pot wraith, but we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but that's really the 
the last part that I, I wanted to bring up, I guess we'll just move to, to final thoughts. Um, Ty, your final thoughts on this episode before we dismiss and how much you're looking ahead. Yeah, it's tricky. Like I think we've mostly talked about how we've enjoyed this episode with like some pretty heavy caveats and it's just, it's been an interesting season. Like it's, it's hard to come to a verdict on because every episode delivers some, some things I like and some things I really don't like in varying, uh, mixtures um and so just trying to kind of figure out like okay did i like that episode is it's like sort of a project in its own after each one uh this season um but like i mentioned like this 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 episode it was sort of like if this one is bad i'm gonna sort of be ready to write off the season and i'm not at that point and i think just the opposite this episode brought up some things that i think really are holding some promise um for the rest of the season i think they need to to move swiftly to deliver on or uh you know at least uh resolve or let me know that those promises are not going to come true but uh we could be moving in a good direction but yeah every episode just has moments where i'm like yeah and moments where i'm like wish you wouldn't yeah i understand uh cicero final thoughts on uh imposters um yeah i was uh also worried, um, but I came in and I really loved this episode. I thought it was great. Um, I, I, I want to say this. So this is my prediction. Um, Beverly Crusher is a changeling. She replaced Beverly Crusher a while ago. Uh, and Jack Crusher is her changeling baby Neo thing. He is the one to do the thing. But she raised him to believe that he is the son of Jean-Luc Picard, hmm. um, never to think that he was a changeling until he gets unleashed, he gets activated, and he does whatever it is that he's going to do, or he's, you know, he's a Ponfar, or whatever the, the, those stupid uh, <laughs> interdimensional um, people, people uh, the, the gods are, the anti-prophets. The um, yeah. Yes, there you go. Um, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> but but like the, so uh, you know those are things that are happening and and you know i think that we'll get this this uh big exposition dump from beverly crusher uh the changeling at some point um about why she betrayed her own kind uh and that's cool. But what I really enjoy about this season of Picard, which I wasn't sure that I was going to, is now that they've kind of laid out what the stakes are, the stakes are, like I said before, they're important um, without them being way too high. They're very important and and they're important enough that I want to see what the resolution is. But I do want to see the old TNG crew solving, you know, together solving that getting to that resolution um and i hope it's not just one episode sure yeah absolutely i love this episode for what it's worth except for killing row um but i think i said all i can say about it ryan please give uh, give us the last word on imposters cicero and i had been dming uh and and i think we were we were pretty aligned like i as i said at the at the top i think i i'd mentioned you know i was so season one for me, and I, I'll preface, I because Picard's my favorite character in Star Trek and Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek show, I have wanted so badly for Star Trek Picard to be an amazing show, to just be this incredible uh, reunion with this great character. 
And season one started with plenty of promise. Of course, it peaked with that, you know, the best episode of the series, episode seven of, of season one. Uh, and then the, the la- it, it, in- it was like a Hindenburg level disaster of a landing with season <laughs> the one. Humanity. Like I, I could not have hated where, and I, I saw it coming with the whole Picard, you know, getting, getting transferred into an, into a Android buy. It was just the worst, most awful way to go. Season two, my optimism lasted all of maybe two episodes. And then I just thought season two was pretty bad uh, throughout, particularly it got, and it got, I thought it got worse as it went. Like it, it ended pretty badly too, but season three, you know, I, I have to say again, I like from the promo, the very first promo where they were like, Crew's coming back together. And I was like, and I just, again, I want to love this show so much that I've been optimistic going into season three and I've enjoyed the first three episodes. And with season four, I thought the, that last bit at the, the very last scene with, with Jack, I thought, uh Oh, is this is, is it, this is going to be where the season just goes off a cliff and, and crashes and burns again, isn't it? But season five, excuse me, episode five won me back. Again, echoing the other guys, I really liked the stakes here. And and uh, every basically everything but Jack I loved in this episode. So uh, I I have the, I am optimistic heading into the, the back nine here of season three and of not just Picard, but presumably the entire Next Generation crew we're probably never going to see again uh, in any real meaningful way on screen. So, yeah, I'm I'm still optimistic, but I am extremely defensive. I've just like I've got my I've got my guard up, just like waiting for waiting for the wheels to fall off, waiting for the other shoe to drop, whatever <laughs> metaphor phrase you want to use. But uh, but yeah, I just I want so badly for them to nail for the showrunners and and the writers and everybody to I want so badly for them to to deliver us five more episodes that are hopefully each one's even better than the last and I hope it culminates in a phenomenal I mean no we're not topping all good things that's not happening and we don't expect that but to give us hopefully that we in 5 weeks from now we're all we're all celebrating like a really fun goodbye in whatever form that takes. And just, a you know, hope and hopefully it's going to hit me in emotionally on some level. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I want. But, but I am, I am, I am holding on to my optimism here at the halfway point, which is a hell of a lot more than I could say at this point of season two. Sure. Yeah. Well, just, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Um, because you watched the next generation movies, of course, and and you watched in horror how the first season of, of Picard ended. But when it comes to data, I'm curious if you would prefer where they left him in Nemesis dying rather abruptly at the end of that movie or the send off that they gave him in Picard, because it seems like they definitely tried to give more credence to a goodbye yeah. to that character. How did it land for you? I will say that I thought that was one of the better parts of of the, the, the final episodes of, of season one. I did, I thought the, the data send off was very good. I, I really mm-hmm. did like that. It's my issues with 
with season one really focused on how they how they did Picard himself dirty. Like that was just such a the dumbest possible outcome for Picard. But yeah, but the data stuff was really good. I, I was on board with that. I I did not enjoy seeing uh, Brent Spiner as a villainous Dr. Soong in season two. That was one of many, many problems I had with season two. But yeah, the I, I did you I do like have to tip the, my cap uh, on on the on the data send off in season one. You didn't like the Tesla vehicular uh, <laughs> attempted manslaughter? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my God! Imagine, yeah, we're gonna need a do-over on on seasons one and two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, thank you for indulging me. I appreciate it. Um, and of course, thrilled that you were able to join us for this. I hope you had a good time with us. Um, but we're, so right before we do our our full send off, we do have a, a little segment that we always do right beforehand. Continuity time. So it's pretty short again. Most of these ones for the last few episodes of Picard season three have been pretty short. Um, but just a couple of little fun notes, I think. So the first one, uh, and again, these are from the fine editors over at Memory Alpha, the, the definitive Star Trek canon wiki. Shaw, when he is rattling off the list of uh, grievances and and bad missions that he has with the TNG crew, he specifically mentions the events of Star Trek Generations, uh, Star Trek Insurrection, so two movies there, and All Good Things with the the Devron system. He mentioned the uh, nearly destroying the universe there. I, I don't know if it's fair to blame the crew of the Enterprise for that, but, you know. Hey, that's Shaw for you. Um, this is the second episode of the series to feature a star date and establishes that Picard season three takes place in 2401, which means that we are 37 years hence from the TNG pilot episode encounter at Farpoint. So these people have certainly known each other for a long time. And then finally, Beverly Crusher states that upon dying, a changeling will revert back to its liquid form. However, the bodies of the changelings, which were seen to die in DS nine actually turned to ash. And that happened in the season three finale, The Adversary, and in season five, episode two, The Ship. Weird detail to omit, but they, as we've said before, the goopiness looks cool. So maybe it was a worthy trade-off for a minor canon violation. But um, Or maybe they've evolved. Or maybe they've evolved. I mean, they clearly seem to be like holding their organs in, in place, which is pretty intense when you think about it because it seemed like before it was all just surface level changes but either way that's just that's stressful to think about hey can i just say i i think it is possible that it's just because they figured out better effects i was uh reading a thing about how in in uh, prodigy they decided to make one of the uh new alien species their bodies disappear uh after they after they die solely because they realized that they had accidentally written a scene where people were hanging out on the bridge of the protostar with a corpse for like a significant amount of time and doing a significant (laughs) amount of dialogue and so their solution was like let's just make it so the corpse like evaporates or whatever when they die so so like i don't i don't think like let's just make it so they turn into goo when they die because now we have sweet goo is like is out there you know it's it's pretty sweet goo a possibility possibility It, it, it looks cool. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this evening. I hope you had a good time with us. And we really appreciate you finding the time to come aboard our tough little ship. 
where would you like to direct people to find more about you and your work? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. This was fun. Uh, it's, it's good to, it's nice. I don't get to talk about Star Trek at work, really. We have, uh, we have our, our shout out to Scott Calora, our, one of our longtime oh. editors who is a, just, he, he, I've, he's forgotten more about Star Trek than I have ever known. <laughs> he's awesome. But so it was fun to get to, to, to come talk Star Trek with you guys and, and specifically Star Trek Picard. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If you like Xbox, I host a weekly Xbox podcast for IGN called Podcast Unlocked that you can find on any, find on any major podcast service. And uh, I'm a big car guy, specifically Teslas. Uh, and if you want to hear a podcast about that every week, because there's actually a lot going on in the world of Tesla all the time, uh, including the, I mean, the, the Cybertruck's going to be a real thing in about four months from now. So mm-hmm. I do a weekly show about that. And it's called Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You can find that on any major podcast service as well. But thank you guys very much for having me. Oh, thank you very much for for coming on. We really appreciate it. And just as a Flash fan, I like the the title of the Tesla podcast. That's cool. Uh, But much appreciated, of course. Um, That is going to do it for episode number 89 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show wherever you found it. It only takes a minute and let us know if you wrote one and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief and feel free to send us questions through Twitter or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us next time as we discuss the next adventure of our friends from the Enterprise D and E. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. (laughs) 